What does it mean to open source everything? This is a very important question. Open source is usually siloed into specifically the field of engineering and software development specifically. We may have heard of open source software, software that is free to use and the source code is completely free to copy and edit. There have even been organized communities that form out of this open source idea, which is not a new idea. It's, it's very ancient in nature, but it's in direct conflict with the ideal that there is such a thing as proprietary or rights to own an idea, rights to distribute an idea. And this, this is interesting because we live in a world that has been built by closed source, that has been built by owned ideas, but has in essence at the height of this civilization has spawned tools necessary to create open source communities. At first it was computers and then it moved to the internet and it grew even more powerful. And when that was more and more centralized, it spawned a new tool, decentralized cryptographic algorithms. What does this mean? Does this mean that ownership of ideas, intellectual property, copyright, does it mean proprietary, all of these things, does it mean that they're bad? Not a hundred percent, perhaps. I think that's a great, a great thing to point out because very rarely is anything ever 100% wrong or 100% right. And even when it is, it's circumstantial. And realizing that there has always been a constant war between ideas and ideals. And to give credit to ideals, the tools to spread ideas without an ideal haven't really existed on mass until the internet. It first started with the printing press. Ideas could spread without an ideal, a centralized organization to teach and educate and be the authority on an idea to help it grow. But just as a pot can help a plant grow, a plant can never truly
truly thrive unless it is free. And it can spread and it can grow new entities and offsprings with no control limiting its growth. Only then can a potted tree, once it is freed into the chaos of the world, ever become a forest. It does not mean that a forest cannot be divinely organized and planned and controlled into existence. Just as much as it does not mean that a forest cannot grow without control and divine organization. Essentially, a more intelligent being than a plant organizing its universe, its reality, its organization. I think part of human hubris is not wanting to let go of control. And the fear that goes into what happens if you give up all control is something I explore in a previous podcast. It was uh, Raw and Uncut, part two. But what, what does this mean, this war between ideals and ideas? This, does this mean that all ideals are bad? No, it just means that now ideals can be limited to just a personal belief. And they don't need organization to help new ideas grow. Organization can exist for ideas in the internet, either as we know it now in the centralized version or the future of the decentralized internet, using entities like the gun protocol, acts, and the layers of fascinating decentralized protocols in the era project. You have people like Mark Nadal designing a fascinating infrastructure of uncensored, unbridled growth and potential that his team works for for the sake of the vision and not for absolute control. I've seen the same thing with other protocols like the library protocol for decentralized distribution of ideas. Does this mean that they can say damn to the rules of control that exist now? No. Navigating these rules of control, realizing that they have orchestrated immense power and power to enforce, it would be unwise not to recognize this power just as much as it is unwise to ignore the fact that decentralization and ideas no longer need ideals to grow. How does an ideal fall? This is a very, very important question that's answered through history. Centralized ideals throughout the past 200 years of democratic history throughout the world have at times supported slavery 
supported racism, supported segregation. And we see a pattern. We see a pattern where when slavery is considered an old world practice and the world is creating ideas to move on from that way to build an infrastructure, new centralized organizations of ideals spawn up at this time. This movement of there are other ideal ideas to create an infrastructure, a civilized infrastructure other than slavery is not new to this past bicentennial era. This is littered throughout history. And always a civilization finds a way to turn slavery into something unethical. Anyone familiar with history enough sees this to be a case. It is the backbone of every civilized civilization to be built on the back of slaves until eventually slavery goes from being the best option to an unethical option. And there's a war of idea versus ideal where the old ideals die. And many new centralized ideals of thought sprung up in this time in the mid-1800s. And throughout time, there was a constant debate. It's how far do we take this? Do we not support racism? Do we not support segregation? And this war of idea versus ideals, how far do we take it? Is it is it wrong? Is it right? Is it right because it's been right for so long? Is it wrong despite the fact that it's been consensus of the ideal for so long? These are the constant things that push centralized ideals to their limits, to their breaking points, to the point where they realize that the argument that segregation and racism is not the same thing as slavery. Being pro-segregation and pro-racism is not the same thing as being pro-slavery. These are the semantics of what happens when there is a war between ideals and ideas. And we are at the very beginning of one. Where the new idea is so widely misunderstood through campaigns of misinformation and demonizing, fear-mongering against it, the people oversimplify it, realizing that decentralization is not limited to financial means of exchange. The decentralization, just like open source, which has always made ideas grow, which is the same principle behind a natural forest. It is a law of nature. Decentralization, open source, all of these things are modern ways of chaos, creating new order through an evolution of ethics. This ethical evolution makes ideals the bad guy. But we have to respect the ideals for where they took us. Does this mean that they are 100% wrong? That's always going to be up for debate. 
And there's always going to be people who want to regress back to the way things were, to make ideals great again. But it's limiting to believe that ideals are the only way good ideas can spread. This is not true. And we are challenged with this when we meet two warring ideals that don't understand how similar they are in essence and how only the face level details are different, but they feel so drastically and reality bending, universe shatteringly different to each of the individuals in the different but same ideals. This happens time and time again. And this is the time when we must ask ourselves, not what if decentralization succeeds? Because it is anti-fragile in nature. It is going to succeed whether or not I want it to, whether or not we want it to, whether or not any of the most powerful organizations in the world try and stop it. Just as we cannot stop nature from running its course. Just as a person has no influence over people. They can have an illusion of influence, but it is a fragile construct. Subject to breaking when introduced to the element of time. The most important element that we ignore. We have such a poor, poor relationship with time. And we live in a society which is constructed around the linear progression of time. The things that go up have to keep going up. And it is delusional to think that they have to come down. Just as it is delusional for somebody with a bipolar disorder, a bipolar way of looking at the world, a different mind, to become delusional when they think just because they're going up that they're going to keep going up. But the laws of nature say otherwise. And they must come crashing down, equal to and greater than how far up they were. This is not the laws of the bipolar brain. This is the laws of nature. And we try and defy them with our hubris that we can control a constructed reality, not unlike somebody with a bipolar brain trying to construct a manic reality to keep from coming down. This is the same thing with centralized ideals. The ideal that there is no other way as good is delusional. Not only are there other ways just as good, there are ways that have not been thought of that are better. And everyone working on decentralization now does not have that better idea. 
the infrastructure of decentralization will incubate those ideas and they will happen. Not because we make them, not because we're creating the infrastructure, but because we've let go of the way that has brought us here, but it's time is ending. The tides are turning. And just as the sun will rise, it shall surely set. And just as the tide shall rise, they shall surely go down. This is an inevitable law of nature. And the hubris of man is petty against it. Decentralization is not an ideal. It is the existence of an infrastructure that is void of a singular ideal, but also tolerable to all ideas that ideals are based on. This creates a paradoxical opportunity for growth in ideas of capitalism, of social societies where they can live in a harmony that cannot exist in centralized organization. And for years, I considered this delusion until I understood, no matter how much I believed, we could figure out a way to control this. And while bickering with different ideals of how to control it, I realized that none of us were right. But none of us were completely wrong either. And this creates an amazing opportunity for human unity in a way that is not defined by nation, that is not defined by border, that is not defined by your geographic location. That organi organization can happen globally and in ways that improve and innovate on every single idea that we've had so far that has been limited with an ideal to put silos around these great ideas that have been leveled up. And it is our own hubris, our own bias that tells us just because something has worked this long that we can figure out a way to make it work better. Sometimes we have to let go. We can't hold on to the future in the past at the same time because it only takes a matter of time until we're torn apart, until our duality is so much that depending on what we are talking about, we make our other dualistic self a liar. We live a life of contradiction and ignore. We prevent ourselves from listening to ideas that threaten the existence of an ideal that we love. And this feeling cannot be ignored. It has to be accepted. We love it. We appreciate what it did. But it is time to grow up from it. It is time to move on. It is time to level up all the ideals by having a rebirth of these ideals, bring them back to the idea, redefine them 
the control can be let go of. This is the idea of every single ancient civilization from the teachings of Jesus Christ, from the teachings of Marcus Aurelius, from the teachings of Buddha to the teachings of the yogis, every civilization that has a system of belief, whether they be state, religious, or other, are all based on these core ideas that only get different in the finer details of how to explain them. This means we all have an opportunity to be more right if we can tolerate the idea that that way to be more right requires listening to the idea of an ideal that was in direct conflict with the validity of our ideal that we were raised in, that we chose. Everything is a choice. Whether or not it is a choice to keep living an ideal that you were born into or to convert to an ideal, whether that means joining a church or moving to a new country or adopting a economic school of thought it means what if we can do better it's not can we do better than Buddha or Jesus Christ or any of these things it's we put certain people on pedestals like like Steve Jobs like Elon Musk, like Jeff Bezos, like Alan Turing, like Albert Einstein, like Stephen Hawking, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, like the founding fathers of the American Constitution. Are we incapable of doing what these great minds do? Does something make them inherently different than us? Other than their choices? Are we not capable of the same choices? Are we not the ones that limit us, ourselves, from thinking? That we cannot figure out how to create our own environment to be able to make the same choices as those individuals? Are we consumed by a fear we didn't even know was there that keeps us from creating an environment, from finding the people to have in that environment to incubate the ideas that are not limited to Thomas Jefferson to John Adams to Benjamin Franklin to George Washington. Different minds of different fortitudes and different ways of thinking came together despite their differences, despite their radical differences. Someone like Burr and Jefferson and 
Adams and Franklin with drastically different worldviews, drastically different biases and ideals, were able to listen despite the uncomfortable feelings that they experienced to to find a middle ground of their time. What is keeping us from doing this from every ideal that exists today? Obligation, guilt, shame, fear, lots of things. Fear of being wrong, fear of those who loved us and taught us. And what would they think if we accept that there's a better way? Do we make them wrong? What if they're dead? They don't get to argue. It doesn't matter whether or not they know or didn't know that they are now wrong because time cares not about our choices. Time is the only thing that can force our hand with our choices other than ourselves. Decentralization is happening. I realize that there is no way to resist it. Resist it, it gains momentum despite opposition, just as a muscle. When it is opposed, it becomes stronger. And it is only a matter of time before pushing that boulder. That either the boulder moves or the boulder breaks us. And the only thing that can make that boulder break us is if we become so obsessed with an idea that we could move a boulder that we don't do anything else until we die trying to push that boulder. This is what happens when an idea turns into an ideal, when we are not able to question, yes, pushing this boulder has made me stronger. But unless I leave... There is nothing I can do in letting go of that, telling the story of defeat, but having the evidence that you got stronger makes somebody question, show me what you did because they too want to get stronger and you show them what they did, what you did and they keep doing it. They don't have the ideal to move the boulder, but they keep doing it and they get stronger. And then one day they come back to you and they are just as strong. And they say, let us join together to push this boulder and see what happens. And your expectations are shattered, realizing that letting go was exactly what you needed to overcome that obstacle. There is no difference Between that analogy and every single dying ideal on this earth today, there is a better way. But until we find it, we have to work together to push that boulder. And interestingly enough, even if we all stop, that boulder stays there. Decentralization cannot be deleted. It cannot be censored. It cannot be stopped. 
Because decentralization is not the boulder. It is our strength. And it only gets stronger with opposition. Decentralization does not need you to join it. But eventually, everyone will be a part of it, whether or not they choose to or not. This is the inevitable nature of nature.